Welcome to the Unfair Podcast. Hello and welcome to the OMFIF podcast, a weekly discussion on key trends in investment and economic policy from some of the world's leading commentators. I'm Katrina Atkins, Program Coordinator at OMFIF Sustainable Policy Institute, and today we will be discussing transition finance in Japan. I'm delighted to be joined today by Satoshi Ikeda, who is Chief Sustainable Finance Officer at Japan Financial Services Agency. In this capacity, he covers a wide range of issues concerning sustainable finance, which includes, among other things, aligning private finance with the sustainable development goals, promoting climate-related financial disclosure in line with TCFD recommendations, and working with the network for greening the financial system. Welcome, Satoshi, and thank you for joining me today. It's a pleasure to have you here. Well, Kathleen, thank you for that kind introduction. I'm very much honored to be part of this program. Thank you. Thank you. So just a few words about our topic. Transition finance is definitely an important theme today. It's just to explain, it is a financing approach designed to support polluting companies that are trying to decrease greenhouse gas emissions in order to reduce their carbon footprint. We have seen that the G20 finance ministers this year agreed to take actions to enable transition finance to support orderly, just and affordable transitions toward low greenhouse gas emissions and climate resilient economy. NG20 Sustainable Finance Working Group as well is developing a framework for transition finance. So Satoshi, to enhance the sustainable finance transition, various jurisdictions are developing approaches to define and regulate green and sustainable activities and products. For example, the European Union has developed a European Union taxonomy. What is Japan's approach to sustainable finance and regulatory practice? Thank you for the question and thank you for the explaining a certain background against this initiative. And well, certainly I agree that the financial system needs to be, be transform itself to support the societies and economies transition to net zero or other sustainability related goals, which certainly enhance the prosperity and sustainability of our, our people and the society. And in that sense, oh, Japan is also working on that issue. And particularly, as you said, that the climate transition is a critically important element of that overall activities that we are uh, taking in order to achieve that uh, sustainability in the society. And well, as you said, that uh, various jurisdictions are taking uh, certainly different approaches. And well, Japan's one is certainly different from EU's approach in a certain points. And well, as you said, that the, the core of the EU's approach is the development of the EU taxonomy, while the Japan is not necessarily taking that similar direction in order to enhance sustainability in the financial system and in the society overall. Well, our approach is more based upon the designing the transition to net zero. Well, often transition finance is considered as a certain substandard of the green finance or something, but we do not take that position. I think the, when it comes to climate transition finance, it's a transition to net zero finance. 
it's a race to net zero finance, not the substandard of a, a certain green uh, finance for climate. So in that sense, we've been sharpening up the uh, concept of climate transition and how that concept can be related with the finance. Well, put it more simply, uh, rather than developing the certain strict rule-based, the certain binary system of defining green, our approach is very much simple. Uh, well, in the past, someone said that the whether it is yellow cat or white cat, it's a good cat if it catches mice. And well, in Japan's approach, if a cat catches one mouse, which means that a certain net zero target, net zero goal, then that cat is good. While the EU is discussing that the, well, this cat is green or not, we simply put it to the private market that what is good for climate transition. But we certainly require them to prove that their transition pathway is aligned with a credible science-based transition pathway. So we've been developing that, uh, our approach around that concept. And I think, well, our, our approach has a certain merit over the EU's approach, especially after the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the how to design the energy transition has been made more complicated. And I believe that in that circumstances, approach can deliver better result in the foreseeable future. Thank you. And I really liked your comparison with a cat catching a mice. That was uh, really a good explanation of the approach and uh, the difference between approaches of the European Union and Japan. And yes, just uh, as far as I know, and just correct me if I'm wrong, Japan's commitment to Japan is committed to achieve carbon neutrality by 2050. So this is what the CAT is trying to do. And also there is a commitment to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 46%, right? By 2030 now. Exactly. And so, so, so that's the uh, a target we are aiming for. And so the every transition finance should be aligned with that target. And as I know, your, your agency, um, Japan's Financial Services Agency, has published basic guidelines on climate transition finance. So the question would be, what are the key points of these guidelines and what can be labeled, uh, according to you, as transition? Well, first and foremost, important thing is that the company needs to embrace the certain climate-related targets into their strategy and put it into the certain their governance system so that the certain progress towards such targets will be monitored. So first of all, that the strategy and governance is critical. And of course, when incorporating such a strategy, they need to establish a certain link to their strategy uh, with certain environmental materiality. And also 
that environmental materiality is related with their business and financial materiality. So that kind of materiality link is also the core of the climate financial finance guidelines. Also, of course, the DAS strategy will be aligned with science-based pathways uh, towards the net zero. And the last not least, they need to ensure the transparency around their strategy governance and the alignment with the credible pathways. And so they need to disclose such targets and other strategy related information to the investors in line with the TCFD or forthcoming ISSB standards. Great, thank you. And just uh, a little bit more about labeling something as transition. So as to my second part of the question, so what, according to these uh, guidelines, can be labeled as transition? Well, so by fulfilling that what I described, it will be labeled as a transition bond or a certain transition-linked bond. Well, it is recommended to have a certain third-party assurance for credibility of the climate-related targets. But uh, overall, the alignment with the climate financial finance guidelines will be monitored by investors through getting information from the issuers. And of course, the, as I said, that the third-party assurance will be recommended. And so with the help of uh, such third-party assurers, I believe that the investors will be uh, more informed in assessing the credibility of the commitment made by issuers in the forthcoming years when that the use of proceeds will be directed towards the certain committed projects which enhance certain climate mitigation or climate resilience and also uh, maybe linked with a certain climate-related targets. Thank you for elaborating on this topic uh, a bit more. And so there are these basic guidelines, but as I know, there are also some kind of sector roadmaps for promoting transition finance uh, in a few hard to abate sectors. Correct me if I'm wrong, this is iron and steel, chemicals, power, oil and gas, uh, paper, shipping and aviation, but perhaps there are already more. So what was the feedback from the private sector and investors and financial institutions uh, to these roadmaps? And what is your outlook for the future? Right, right. Well, those uh, sectoral roadmaps are based upon certain knowledge of low carbon technologies or zero carbon technology for achieving net zero by 2050. And so elaborating on what kind of technologies we will require to achieve such climate neutrality or carbon neutrality, that certainly helps, that certainly helps the investors assess the credibility of the transition plan by uh, certain business corporations. And so I, I believe that the development of the sector roadmaps has been well received by investors because they need to be certainly 
understand that the certain technological issues uh, to assess the credibility of climate transition pathways in the end. But at the same time, well, certainly the current version of uh, sectoral roadmaps is mainly focused on technology. And so investors want more link with a certain emissions data. And certainly that linkage is still under uh, development. So certainly technology can reduce the emissions or the maybe certain technology will replace the current technology that produces emissions. But the magnitude of emissions reduction is still a ballpark figure. So making it more precise is the kind of challenge going forward so that the investors can assess the credibility of the transition pathways based upon more granular numbers. Also, linkage with the carbon pricing is also a challenge. Well, going forward, incorporating the, the certain carbon pricing element into the capital investment decision is a critical component for transforming the decision-making by business corporations. And while the certainly technology can achieve the carbon emission reduction, but uh, it is also need to be viable economically. And the, it also economically viable even under the certain added costs with uh, carbon pricing. So proving that kind of linkage is also the very important element that needs to be augmented going forward. Also, well, sectoral roadmaps will tool to assess the individual companies' transition plans, but there is certainly systemic element. Well, for example, the transitioning to net zero, the power system needs to be transformed, but well, what kind of power system in the end we would envisage is a, a very important act, actually yardstick for assessing the credibility of the transition pathway. And so that is a systemic element. So while the individual company may be assessed based upon certain sectoral roadmap, but in adding up the individual company's initiative and picturing that the, those addition of the, those individual elements will be consistent with the overall transformation of power system, for example, is a very challenging element in assessing the individual efforts by the business corporation. So such systemic elements need to be enhanced. So, well, so we don't think that the current version of sector roadmaps is the kind of a complete plan already, but uh, we need rather further enhance and improve that the uh, sector roadmaps, which is very much a central piece of our uh, design, design of the overall climate transition finance framework. 
very, very interesting regarding the systemic approach, but also I wrote down here the topic of carbon pricing. I think this could be the topic for big separate discussion. It would be very interesting to hear more about that. But returning to our topic, so in terms of a transition, I've read somewhere that Japanese companies have issued around $2 billion worth of transition bans uh, this year, which is 14 times more than in 2021. So how do you evaluate uh, their, this transition bond plans of companies and what is necessary to avoid here greenwashing practices or sometimes even I saw the transition washing practices? Yes, that is very important part. And well, put it in one word, it is important to ensure that certain follow through to net zero. That is a very much core of the of ensuring the avoiding the uh, greenwashing practices. Well, first of all, I would like to emphasize the certain benefit of the transition bonds. If you look at the issuances by uh, Japanese corporations, uh, well, I would say that the most of the use of uh, proceeds can qualify for green finance. But uh, at the same time, for example, in the case of uh, the power company, for example, they issue transition bonds to finance, first of all, the increase of uh, renewable energies and also kind of experiment certain co-firing of uh, hydrogen or ammonia with the uh, fossil fuels, for example. So by framing the, their uh, insurance as a, a transition finance, they can issue, uh, they can finance the both renewable energy project and also certain kind of, you know, carbon management projects that may not be necessarily liked by a certain segment of investors, I have to say, and certainly that too much emphasis on green certainly lead to certain under investment of the certain carbon related projects, which may be necessary in the future to achieve uh, net zero. So. I think the transition bond issuance overall in Japan are a positive sign in terms of uh, achieving net zero by 2050 because, well, we always emphasize that the, there must be various uh, ways to get to net zero. And certainly, renewable energy should play a, a significant part in achieving that. But well, how to utilize the existing fossil-fueled networks, maybe through by retrofitting uh, such network for accommodating hydrogen. That kind of investment is not sufficiently financed yet. And I believe that the issuance by Japanese companies of transition bonds have opened the door for uh, such financing in a significant volume. And so that is certainly a welcome sign from my perspective. Of course, as I said, 
follow through to net zero is uh, critically important. And so it's in the end, it needs to achieve the net zero 2030 and also almost having the carbon emissions by 2030. But as long as, as far as it achieves that, I think the certain projects related with the carbon management uh, is also critically important. And so I believe that the concept of transition has a certain role in uh, kind of smoothing the energy transition for net zero. Yes. And is it right that Japan is one of the leaders uh, in terms of uh, working on these transition plans and issuing transition bonds and becomes like the biggest hub of uh, transition bonds issuances in Asia? Yeah, that is our hope. But uh, I don't think that we are the sole <laughs> country uh, to promote that concept of transition. Actually, they, well, as a non-governmental player, G funds, from my eyes, are working on the issue of uh, transition anyway. And also, uh, I believe that Singapore is very much actively uh, working on this issue. But yeah, uh, at least that, uh, uh, Japan would like to play a, a greater role in promoting transition finance. Yes, from your words, it's obvious that you have been doing great work on the development of the transition finance. And uh, I know that you are also working on developing a code of conduct regarding ESG rating and data providers. So just uh, what does it mean for transition finance and what is uh, this regulation about? Right. Well, as I said, that the target setting is a very important part of climate transition finance. And well, unfortunately, right now, the uh, such certain carbon emissions data not yet complete. So that is why the certain ESG ratings and the data providers have a role to play. And so if that certain target is using that certain data or ratings provided by such providers, then that the credibility of such ratings and data becomes foremost uh, in any climate plan from finance. So the code of conduct for ESG ratings and data providers is, well, partly aiming for enhancing the data quality or the, of the such ESG data and the ratings provided by them. And so, well, I really hope that the, through the development of the climate-related disclosure standards and the application of such standards across the jurisdiction, well, will enhance the provision of carbon emissions data by, well, the business corporations. And then through such a kind of direct provision of the carbon emissions data, will uh, help the uh, investors assess the credibility of climate targets by certain business corporations. But if you look at the uh, certain discussion around whether the scope three emission 
should be required in those uh, disclosure standards, well, at least as to the uh, scopes of the emissions data, we may have a long road yet to getting the uh, credible information uh, of uh, scopes of the emissions. Then still there remains a certain role of uh, ESG rating and the data providers. So, so well, at least for the foreseeable future, I think the role played by ESG ratings and the data providers will be very much relevant in the climate transition finance. And as I said, that the code of conduct is very much important uh, from that perspective. Thank you, Satoshi. And yes, the data credibility and uh, the issue of data credibility is something that we hear quite often during these discussions. So this is something to focus on. And any final remarks on the topic of our conversation, please, if you have some, just the floor is yours. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Well, I think not only the climate issues, uh, the concept of transition is very much important. We need a certain dynamic process to achieve the net zero or other sustainability goals. And designing the path towards that goal is not so simple as just defining the green. So I believe that the approach of a transition will be, I think, applicable not only to the climate issues, but uh, to other nature-related issues. So hopefully, well, we can expand uh, our approach of transition to the other environment-related issues. Well, but uh, maybe that uh, as the recent uh, publication of The Economist argues that uh, we need to focus on the emissions, (laughs) but uh, well, whether it's true or not, certainly envisage that the our work uh, continues and also hopefully expand to the other environment-related agenda. And I think this is a great way to finish our conversation with uh, the plans uh, and outlook for the for, for your future work. So thank you so much, Satoshi, for this uh, fruitful and insightful discussion. And thank you for listening. You can subscribe to this uh, and all other OnFIF podcasts on our channels on Spotify and iTunes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the OnFIF podcast.